How many of you have wandered off at some point in your life? You just wandered off, maybe purposefully, maybe not so purposefully, but found yourself in a spot you were maybe not where you were intended. Anyone? Let's hang on both. Because I've, I've both wandered off unintentionally and intentionally in my life. I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea here this morning about um, not just, I don't want to use the word privilege, I don't think that's the right word to do, but responsibility that God has given us, the ability to wander off. Hi! Do you, do you realize how cool it is to have life and have it abundantly? That's actually why Jesus came. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Excellent. You want to stay right here for a bit? Okay. Is that all right? Is this a little scary? You want to go to mom? Yeah. No. No, okay. Here, let's go, let's go give you to mom, okay? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> there she is. So back to this thought of wandering off. Um, I, I sort of feel like I should quote the Spider-Man movies, which is, with great responsibility comes, or with great power comes great responsibility. The power to wander off. I just want to talk to you a little bit about this before we get into the text to make sure you know what it means to have a God that will allow you to wander off. Because the opposite is true. The opposite idea is maybe not a blessing to you. Okay? That, That... some of you have been mad that God let something happen in your life and you're just sitting there, I just don't like it. How come God lets that happen? Okay. No, I'm sorry. So um, this is the thing. If you're mad at a spot in your life where God has not allowed or God has not forced somebody to do something or has allowed something to not happen and in your life, I just want you to recognize that that's because God is working a plan in the world. And the plan is that the plan is, should I shut this door for you? That way they can run because the hallway is a good spot for that. It's deep breath. It is such a blessing to have little ones. And they come with all sorts of blessings, the blessings of happy noises and the blessings of unhappy noises. But you can't have the happy noises without the unhappy noises. I just want to make sure you hear that from me, that they come together and often in rapid succession. So what I'm talking about here about God is a God who doesn't force everybody into every action in the world. And the reason that's a big deal to us is this. 
do you really want a God that's going to force you into every single thing? Because if you had that God, his role would be, I want everybody obedient. But we have a God who wants everybody to, to be called into a love relationship. And because that's his goal, there has to be some freedom attached. And that freedom comes with the ability to wander off. I had Leah in the first service and some others in the first service. How many of you have ever worked with cattle? Cattle, a little bit. Do cattle just get out sometimes? Does it mean that the farmer or the rancher, not farmer is not the right language, I'm sorry, the rancher has been inattentive? Not necessarily, does it? I, I remember going on a tour of a barn that was really cool, um, and there's this pen out there, and it had three by 12s, six inches apart. You understand a three by 12? Six inches apart to this high. I'm going, wow, that's quite a pen. What's it for? And he goes, oh, that's the bull pen. Does that keep the bull in? He goes, no. Sometimes they just get out. You can, you can put appropriate boundaries around livestock and sheep and bulls and cows, and they will just sometimes just get out. I remember there's a, there's a road in between uh, Lamont, all of you. How many of you know where Lamont is? Yeah, it's not very many of you. It used to be a town, and Cheney. In between Lamont and Cheney, there's a rancher out there that grows, that uh, has bison. Do you know what bison do to the to the to the uh, barbed wire fence when they when they want to go through? <laughs> they just go through. There's no such thing as barbed wire to them. They just pfft, straight through it. It's like it doesn't even exist. It's not inattentive, but there's a certain freedom there. And I just want you to recognize that sometimes we wander off and get into positions that we weren't expecting, and it doesn't mean inattentiveness by God. It means that his goal is not actually absolute obedience without love. His goal is love that will then cause us to be obedient. So that's a different way of coming at it, isn't it? And if love's the goal, that, that we would love him and be called according to his purpose, that means that somewhere along the line, we have to have the right to not choose it. Because it's not love if it's forced. With that said, let's, um, let's dive into Luke 15 and some parables of some lost things. There's uh, three things I w- I'm going to talk about as we come around here. I want to make sure that we're not looking at what it means to be lost, but how God finds. That's the thing I want to look at today. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach, and this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. First off, before I get to the action God says, I want to make sure you hear this one little thing. Um, it says that there are the righteous who haven't strayed. There's something that this can't actually mean, which means that they're righteous and perfect and all that and had no need of forgiveness. That can't mean that. If we read the scriptures clearly, what does, this, what does Romans 3.23 say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of heaven. All we like sheep have gone astray. Back to the sheep just getting out every so often. What this means is, since it can't mean that, because what that would mean is that there were a whole bunch of people around that could have, been, could have done the work that Jesus did, but just didn't. Which would mean that they couldn't do the work of Jesus because they didn't. So it can't mean that they're perfectly righteous and without sin. What it means is, is that there's more joy in heaven in one who comes to God and says, I need help, than there is from all those who really need the help, but say, I got it. I'm just fine. The point of the story. Now, back to how God finds lost things. Here's the first one. Are you ready for this? This is... This is the first thing in it, in verse 4. He'll leave the others and go and search. So the first thing God does is he goes and searches. So, so put yourself in the spot here of the sheep, and you've wandered off, and you've fallen into some place, or you can't see what it is. It's like there's a little kid. There's a little toddler here Tuesday mornings in the group, and he's often separated from his mom, and the first person he comes up with is, I can't find my mom. Right? He's disoriented because he doesn't know where his mom is. I appreciate that. He's come, but, but if you're like that, and you're in a spot, you go, I just, I've lost my bearings. I'm kind of in... I'm in a cul-de-sac of life that doesn't let me back on the main road. Help. I, I, I'm kind of lost. God begins to search for you, and he doesn't just leave you there. That is not the picture that Jesus in the incarnation puts for us, is that here, here I am on earth and God's up there. No, the picture is, is that God saw us down here in such need for help that he sent as Jesus, he came and lived on earth with us. Essentially, as you've heard me say before, kneeling into our world. But let's not just say kneeling into our world and so therefore he knows all people. Let's take this personal for a second. Think back to that spot where you've kind of wandered off and been in a cul-de-sac and maybe a little lost or something like that. You, you, you were out in your car and you really needed the GPS and it wasn't working. I heard a story about that the other night, about a GPS that just kept saying straight, but there was no coverage because there was no cell phone and so it wasn't updating. It didn't recalculate like it should. And God, in Jesus, then kneels next to you and says, let's just not do this thing anymore. 
Have you had that experience in your life where you're just sitting there and you've been doing something and causing yourself a whole series of damage or maybe you've just wandered off and it's become a pattern in your life and this is how Jesus in the incarnation and coming and living on earth really is experienced by us. He comes and we're sitting there in that spot and he kneels next to us, put his arm around us and said, how about this thing? Let's not do this anymore. It's not always... (laughs) I've told you a hundred times, man. Don't do that. (laughs) It's this thing. Let's not do it anymore. Do you know why it's not, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, don't do this anymore? Because people almost never seek help from the bony finger of indignation. Just, just think about it. Just put yourself in that spot. And if you've had somebody going like this at you all the time and you need help, is that who you seek it from? Nope. So if that process doesn't work, then let's not keep doing it. Right? The Einstein quote applies here. The definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. It doesn't work, so let's just let it go for a second. Let's first then continue to look at this text. The first thing is, is that God searches us out where we're lost. The second thing. Or suppose a woman, I like this about Luke. Luke told a story about a man, now he's going to tell a story about a woman. You don't need to feel left out. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in heaven in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Before I get to the second thing, notice that God likes a good party. All right, it's been in both stories here, right? It's been in both of them. He likes that. But the second thing is, right in the middle of it, what does she do when she's searching? She sweeps the house and searches carefully. I turned it off on accident. It won't be the last time I do something wrong. She searches carefully for the coin. I was thinking about this. How do we search carefully for stuff? If you lose your car keys, what do you do? You kind of go back through your emotions and you sort of set a plan. Do you start in the garden shed if you haven't been in the garden shed? Why? Because you weren't there. It's not careful. Do you search your neighbor's house for your keys? Have you been there? That's a good, right? So you search with a plan involved. I like this one. Every so often, a piece of jewelry will get dropped on the carpet in our house, like maybe an earring, right? Or a ring or something like that. You, I know what you do. You guys go get in the vacuum and you just like this and wait till it makes a noise, right? No, you don't. You know what I do? I turn off the light and I get a flashlight and I set it on the ground and I start sweeping across the floor. 
Search with a plan. God does this with this. He sets up a plan to, to find what's lost. Now, finding car keys and finding jewelry is not the same process. It's not as much help as you might think to sweep the dark room with, with a flashlight when you're searching for your keys and they're in your coat pocket. Right? Now, you don't do it the same way. Keys are big. You can see them easier. But you set a custom plan for what you're searching for, don't you? I don't search for my drill in the same way as I search for jewelry because it's bigger. It can't fit in the same spots. God is just as custom in the way that he searches and comes to you as he is in the searching of each and every little lost item in the world. You might say, no, he does the same thing for everybody. He makes the same offer, which is forgiveness, but he is so custom that he enters into your world and makes the offer in such a way that you hear it best in the moment you need it. And I got to tell you, I know for a fact that the way that I've wandered off and needed to hear his voice is not the way that you've wandered off and needed to hear his voice. Aren't you glad that he talks to you the way that you need to be talked to and not the way I need to be talked to? I mean, you might, you might just need to hear a whisper and sometimes I need the full two-by-four treatment. And if you just need a whisper, maybe you'd be glad to not have the two-by-four. I know that if I just need the whisper, I'm just asking for his presence to be known and, and the, that I would listen to that. And if he brings the two-by-four, then sometimes it seems like a little bit of overboard. The problem is, is when he's brought the two-by-four effect for me, it's not overboard. He's still just trying to get my attention. First thing he does is he goes and searches. The second thing he does is he searches with a plan. Searches carefully for you. And careful is all sorts of things, isn't it? It's not only did I have a plan and I worked the plan, but, but I had an appropriate plan and I worked in this way. And, and, and maybe it means that if I have to rescue sheep out of a pit, then maybe I've got rope nearby, right? All the tools are there. Before I go on, I want to make sure that I say it this way, because I've got friends that have wandered off too. And I know some of you have got friends and family that have wandered off. I've got friends and family that have wandered off. And I wish that I had the perfect plan. And matter of fact, I've devised 15 plans for each of them to come to the Lord. It just wasn't God's plan. Anybody ever been in that spot? You've got, you've got plans for your family? I want to make sure you hear this. God is always working his plan. Now, it might not actually be your plan, but he's working his. 
And isn't it nice to know that if his plan is not soulless robots that just are obedient, out, but they don't really have any choice, but his plan is a loving community that can offer compassion and love and just interacts in this way, that that's his plan and he's working that plan and he's trying to develop that in people and he's working towards it and it's always on his radar. Now that kind of means that when I have a plan for somebody and I see it not getting done by God, then I need to let go of something and let God work his plan. Now that might mean that my hands aren't really the ones that need to do the healing in their life. That's a hard word, isn't it? Do you see somebody hurting in your life and all you want to do is be an instrument of healing for them? When God invites you to be that instrument of healing, be that instrument. But sometimes you're not invited. Sometimes other people are invited. Sometimes we're too close to it. I know family members are kind of this way. It's really hard to witness the work of Christ in your life to somebody who's seen all your problems. But it's enough to live plainly in front of them and trust. You know, um, Augustine's mother prayed day and night, and the bishop in her town used to say, Dear woman, don't you know that no child of such endless prayer will ever go unanswered? Unsought by God. Your prayers are valuable. Here's the third thing. I want to make sure we do this and get to it before, before we're completely out of time instead of just mar marginally out of time. <laughs> to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I would really prefer that you be dead and I have half of everything now. I mean, I paraphrase. Let me say, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided up his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Or the, the emphasis in the Greek here is to live where he lived without control. That's... If I think about that, it doesn't take us very long to think of somebody in our lives that has lived without control in it. That's what this is going on here. And about that time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. If you look at the biblical story, there are a lot of famines in the land. This is something that you need to be aware of if you're going to just spend everything wildly. I've got a friend who grew up in a nation, and his mom used to, he was born in the, in, in Asia, and his mom used to say, why so skinny? You can afford to be fat. Which was a cultural expression of there might be a famine and people with a little extra survive. It's actually a long-term cultural expression of that. So here we go. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs were beginning to look good to him, but no one gave him anything. Okay. That's really a form of slavery, isn't it? You're working and there's nothing. 
When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Make me a slave. Treat me like a slave. And so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long off, here's the story. The father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. That's the third thing. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. So first off, he goes out searching. He has a plan. Second thing. Third thing. It's filled with compassion. It was also there in the first story where the shepherd carried the sheep, the compassion for the lost animal, the filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, get the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. There's the party again. Don't tell me for a second, God. Don't like a good time. For this son of mine who is dead is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Now the second lost son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother was, is back, he told him, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because he is safe in return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out to him and begged him. The first two things, right? He went in search of him, and he had a plan. Careful. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Now here's, here's the young man, the heir. I'm a slave. The other one was, was a slave and just longed for the hired hand roll. Here's, here's the one who owns the slave, say I'm a slave. And in all the time, you never gave me one goat for a feast with my friends. And yet with this son of yours, be careful of that when you're talking to somebody and they start depersonalizing someone this way and then say, that son of yours, that, that man, that lady, careful. Start depersonalizing people. You start justifying all the punishment that you're going to heap upon them. Yet when this son of yours came back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Remember that the son and the father didn't really talk about what had gone on, but here's somebody more than willing to admit the faults of somebody else. Right? We call that gossip. Gossip is the fine art of admitting somebody else's sins. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he was found. Do you hear the compassion of the father to the second son, too? 
There is more joy in heaven and the return of one repentance sinner than in a 99 who don't think they need it. But that's the division in human life is people need help and the God of our fathers, the God of our heart, the Father of our Lord Jesus always goes searching and it's a careful search. And it's filled with love and compassion. And so we've got this question. I'm, I really am out of time, and I'm sorry. And I've got this question for you. Have you spent a lot of time pointing your bony finger of indignation at people and not getting the results you're really wanting? Well, there's a reason why it doesn't work. And it also turns out that it's working kind of counterproductive against what God's doing. Don't forget that when they said, what, show us God, show us the Father, Jesus, and then we'll do that stuff. And he goes, have I been with you so, so little time? Have, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, here's another spot. I only do what I see the Father doing. In other words, if he's not doing it, I'm not doing it. Let me, let me draw the chain just a little closer here. Paul says to all the disciples around him, follow me as I follow him. Just start following, start doing the things that God does in your life. Start living in to the work that he's doing in your life. In other words, work with him rather than against him. Now, there's no promise whatsoever of perfect results. Right? Can, you just, can you just go for me for a second? Just, I, don't you wish that you could just do stuff and get perfect results? Do you know why there's no, result, reason for, no, no reasonable expectation of perfect results? Because the goal of God is a loving response. And that's something individuals have to do on their own. And you can't make them do it. But that's because God's goal is a loving community that responds to him, a community of love that are called according to his purpose and by his name. By his name is about his reputation. Every time you see that in the Bible, you say, what do you mean called by his name? That means that you live in and by the reputation that God has in the world. Do you have a name in the community? You know what that means? You have a reputation. And so you live into that. Let us uh, take the time to recognize the way that God has come into our lives. Can I, if I give you 15 seconds just to reflect a little bit about maybe some spot where God has knelt into your life and said, how about we not do this anymore? <laughs> that he sought you out and searched carefully for you and offered compassion. If I give you a couple seconds, can you find a spot in your life for that? Okay, I'm going to count on just a couple of seconds. Just think that through. Have you got one? 
If you got one in your heart, hold them tight. Good. Now live out of that memory towards other people. Because it worked. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I'd kind of like to apologize for where I've worked counterproductively with you. Thank you so much for the, for the way you haven't held that against me continually. I thank you so much for each and every person here, the way that you've knelt into their lives, the way that you continue to seek and woo them into that deeper, ever-deepening, loving relationship. Show us your way. Walk clearly in front of us so that we can follow you, Lord. In your precious name, amen.